Welcome to the Fear the Wavecast post-game show. This is Kelly Camarda with Jimmy Ordno and Jake Weinstock. We're here to recap the Tulane uh, 13-10 win at ECU. Uh, Jimmy, you know, wasn't uh, pretty. Again, you know, for like the third or fourth week in a row, it just, it's a game that we gutted out and won at the end. She, she sure did, you know. Um, you know, after the first two scoring drives for um, East Carolina, they really did nothing the rest of the game. Uh, I think they had 179 yards, something like that on the game, and probably had 140 of those in the first two drives. Um, and so that that dictated a lot of things. I think you had a high degree of confidence that your defense would um, – that they would not be able to score. So don't do things that would put them in a bad situation because if they had to drive the field, they weren't going to be able to do it. Um, and, and that certainly played into it. I, I, you know, when you sort of play in the type of game I think we were playing where you're going to control the clock and just kind of grind them out knowing that they're pretty good against the run, they're going to bring – numbers and you're going to have some unsuccessful runs um you know but you have enough faith in your quarterback that in third and eight third and seven you know you can make a player play when you need to um you know that works but the two things you can't have the penalties we had um you know and and you can't have um the red zone inefficiency i mean you know breaking down down there was tough. I mean, five drives, four only really counted. I mean, obviously we could have scored on that last drive if we needed to, um, at least three, right? But um, the the just sort of bogging down down there deep um, kept the game closer than it needed to be. Um, but you know, all that said, you know, your defense played a type of game that you need to play on the road sometimes in a conference. I mean, it's a team, it's a program with a lot of pride. They still get great fan support. I mean, that's going to be the yeah, I mean, maybe UTSA, I think they they, they kind of get a little rowdy there too. But, I mean, as far as conference road games go, um, that's going to be the most hostile environment you're going to see in America these days. Um, and, you know, it was a Super Bowl type of event for them. And and from a matchup standpoint, they are they're a team that, um, you know, they're big and tough and physical. So our advantage there that we have against most teams – doesn't necessarily come to bear as much. I mean, there was there was some banging. There was quite a few injuries on both sides of the ball uh, coming out of the game. And, um, you know, but this is, what, four straight weeks now, whatever, where we play a tight one. Um, but when uh, offense needed to make a drive to put the game away or score decisive points or whatever they had to do at the end of the game in the last possession, they did it, grinding out last, you know, half – of the fourth quarter to put the game away, end it with a knee, and you'll take the win. Yeah, Jake, we will take the win. Um, what did Tulane do right on offense today? What What are some of the good things you saw him do? And um, obviously, you know, Jimmy pointed out some of the uh, deficiencies or, or some places we need to get better. Did you see anything else out there you want to work on? So I think, you know, generally speaking, we moved the ball really, really well between the 20s. And it doesn't feel like that, obviously, because we only had the 13 points, um, you know, the lowest we've had in a Pratt-started game that I, that I can remember. Um, but, you know, I, I want to keep in perspective that after our first two possessions, which were both unsuccessful, you know, on – Five of our next six drives, which ended up being our, our final six possessions, we got at least to the East Carolina 15-yard line, right? And so it, it feels like we were more inept than we were because out of those um, five possessions where we got down there, 
we kicked two field goals. We missed a field goal. We scored the one touchdown. And then, of course, we had the kneel down at the end of the game. So, you know, we knew coming in this was going to be a very, very difficult team to run against, right? I mean, this is this is not a defense that has had a tremendous amount of success this year. They have been giving up 30 points a game. They've been giving up 389 yards of offense a game. Um, but their run defense was pretty stout. You know, I'll remind folks they were only averaging 3.8 yards a carry coming in, which was 42nd best in the country. I think as a team, we finished around three and a half today. Um, you know, I, it's 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 hard to um, to criticize the selection in a game that we ended up winning in a game where I think you justifiably feel like if you can just get ahead, you know, you, you don't have a ton of fear that your opponent is going to march down the field and score a touchdown to, to retake the lead or to win the game. But, you know, it may be a little conservative at times, you know, Makai Hughes went over a hundred again, I believe, but that was a, um, that was a good, you know, was, I was watching the game with a good friend and he said that, that was a tough, tough hundred. There was, there wasn't much that was very pretty about it. Um, you know, we ran the ball a lot on first down today, a lot, a lot, um, you know, 26 snaps on first down, 16 rushing attempts. So, you know, I think, um, while it doesn't feel like it, the, the, the passing game did do some good things, um, hit some explosive plays, certainly the one to Lawrence keys in the second half that put us in great position, but so many missed opportunities. I mean, you know, we, if we, we've talked now on this show after games going back a month and, and I just keep saying it, the thing we have to do to be an elite offense this year without Tajay Spears, as good as Mikai Hughes is, is have an elite passing attack. And, you know, while Michael did good things today and he's done good things all year, he needs to be more accurate and more consistent in that short to intermediate area. The best part of his passing game by the numbers is, and for a while has been, throws 20-plus yards down the field. And that's certainly where he found success against South Alabama on opening night before the knee injury. He had success there again tonight. He has to be more accurate and more decisive, um, frankly, you know, 10, 15, 20 yards down the field, even less than that, because that's where the majority of your passing success is actually going to come from, you know, shot plays are great and everybody remembers them, but even really, really explosive college offenses only hit on three or four of those a game. You, you, you earn your money in the short to intermediate areas and he needs to be better there. That's where we have to improve as an offense. I think he probably double clutched on six or seven dropbacks tonight, you know, not having a ton of confidence in what he was seeing, not letting it rip. One of those, you know, he pulled down, actually fumbled it that nobody will remember because the offense recovered. Um, you know, now in fairness to him, Jaquan Jackson needs to catch that ball at the end of the first half. And that's four points that we did not get back. Um, you know, if, if Lawrence Keyes can stay in bounds before um, that third down attempt into the end zone, you know, is that a touchdown? Is that another couple points that we left on the board there? Yet another miss um, from Val this week that that you know felt like a very makeable distance. So, you know, I don't I don't want to do anything resembling hitting the panic button on the offense because we have moved the ball well in both phases of the offensive game. But 
you know, it, we, we just seem to peter out in the red zone. It's been different things now for a, a couple of weeks, right? I mean, you know, North Texas, we're up 21 nothing at halftime, but people forget Michael fumbled inside the one um, going in there. And that that's yet another seven points we left on the board and, and didn't get back. And it, it didn't hurt us today in that we still won the ball game. And there was someone advocating in a group I was, I was texting with during the game that, you know, after we picked up the fourth and inches with um, a minute or so to go, a minute and a half to go, they really wanted us to try to punch it into the end zone and win 20 to 10 for, you know, for style points to make it not look so close for voters who maybe wouldn't sit through the whole game. You know, and of course, everybody remembers what happened to Miami earlier this season when they tried that. But the reality is we, we don't need style points at this point in the season. Air Force lost today. Tuesday night, Tulane is going to be the only group of five program that's ranked in the college football playoff pool and is eligible for the New Year's Six bid, period. Um, you know, we could win the last three games of the regular season six to three, and we could win the conference championship game 10 to seven, and we'd get the bid at this point. I really believe that. Style points aren't what's important. What is concerning is that at some point – Pretty soon here, you're not going to be playing East Carolina and Tulsa and Southern Miss. You're going to be playing some teams that that are better than that and and can beat you if you turn in a performance like this and if you are this sloppy in the penalties, if you're this sloppy in the red zone, if you're this sloppy tackling for an extended period of time, you know you will lose. So hopefully, um, our best game or a series of games are still out there just as they were to close the 2022 season. I'll remind people that, you know, this was an eight and two team that looked very uneven at times last year and then really, really got hot right around this time last season. So hopefully that's what we're in for here down the stretch. Well, Timmy, uh, how much of this performance today do you put on the game planning versus, you know, just the execution that it seems like, you know, we ran the ball a lot on first half. We ran the ball a lot on second and long. And we relied on Michael to make plays on third down. I mean, how much uh, of this was the result of just uh, knowing that ECU could put up a ton of points? Well, I think that was a big part of it. I mean, and so much of our passing game right now is is based in play action. And so, you know, the the saw a couple of RPOs where he gave instead of, throwing it and things like that but I like in general I mean we're 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 gonna probably run it five ten percent more than maybe the game script calls for the the way the game's playing out calls for just because it's kind of in our nature and 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 we like the the deep shot throws and all that and that kind of comes off of play action and so we kind of do that, um, you know. Again, it, 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 in my mind, it really comes. It's 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 red zone efficiency. But what we've seen both of the last two weeks, both weeks where we weren't super efficient in the red zone, were eight possession games. Okay, and that's a huge part of this that gets lost when you're in assessing a college football game. I mean, you know, some of these teams, and we've we've been in them. I mean, you know, the Cotton Bowl was. I don't. I, I would have to go back and look, but probably a 14, 15 possession game. Right. And so when you're playing, I mean, you're literally having twice as many opportunities to score or, or very close to it in some of these games. And so when you play an eight possession game and you get in the red zone 
five times, you know, kneel it out once, but then on the other four only get 13 points instead of, say, 21-24, the game looks a whole heck of a lot closer than it should be. I think by design, we had a lot to do with that eight-possession game. So did they. I mean, they they weren't attempting to get the ball downfield over the top of us very much either, you know, and, and you know, they had their their share of long drives as well. But but that's kind of what, what, what led to it was, was I mean, you know, it literally had a – half of a quarter drive to end it that, that didn't end in points because we took a knee inside the five i think that's like it's at least the third time we've run out the clock inside the 10 this year and it might be even four um where we had opportunities to potentially score at the end and we just chose to kill clock but um you know i so i think that that's part of it it's just been some really weird looking game scripts from what you're used to seeing on Saturdays when you watch football these days, you know, um, it's, it's kind of a throwback way of playing. It, it is a lower margin of error and you worry about that, you know, um, but it's also not a script that you're going to see necessarily against some of the better teams. I mean, when we, when we need to script something more aggressive, we, we tend to do so. You, you think about the Memphis game. Um, I guess we got a little conservative with Ole Miss at, at times because of, you know, I mean, you're a backup quarterback, but, um, you know, it's it's kind of like wh- what does the, the opponent require, right? And so you got a team on the other side. I mean, the one thing talking to Coach Fritz in the middle of the week, you know, is like, you know, they just don't have much quarterback play, you know? And so that was thought number one from a matchup standpoint. And, and it's almost like we, we planned the game around the fact that, you know, let's let's take care of business on our side of the ball. Don't do anything to, be, to give them opportunities for cheap points. Uh, and make that team beat you with their quarterback because he's not going to be able to do it. And and that's sort of what we tried to do. But then when you played a possession game and and kind of was inefficient in the red zone, it, it makes the game much, much closer than how you drew it up. Um, so, but look, and last little point I'll make is, is you know, I, Michael ha- has had these runs before, and and he, he saw it again here. Uh, Memphis was not – was it Memphis? No, it wasn't Memphis. What game he came out where UAB – where he just was kind of like all over the place early in the game, but he's kind of had a tendency like where he has that bad streak where he, he, he's lacking accuracy. It doesn't usually persist throughout the game. I thought after Alex's nice catch down the sideline on sort of that, that um, tight end fade look, he, uh, he completed for about 25, 27 yards. I thought Alex made a nice play there to kind of help him some, but I thought after that, most of his throws were, were pretty on point. You know, I thought his accuracy was back for the rest of the game. Um, but, you know, he made some big-time throws when we needed him to. Um, you just like to sort of see it for 60 minutes sometimes. Yeah, and, uh, you know, obviously we've seen the streaky Michael Pratt before, but, you know, it hasn't come back to bite us yet this year. Uh, Jake, on defense, you know, obviously the first couple drives weren't uh, how we drew them up, but after that, we settled down and, and really just shut ECU down for the rest of the game. Uh, what did you see, good, bad, otherwise, on defense? Overall, I thought pretty good job getting pressure on the quarterback. I thought Cam Hamilton had a really, really nice game um, on the interior. You know, the first two drives, I mean, it's it's we got out physical a little bit, but that and and the poor tackling, I you know, I, I don't know exactly what to attribute that to today. Um, I didn't listen to the radio broadcast. I was watching on TV, but someone mentioned that Matty Hudak said 
on the radio um, made a really good point that this is our first game we've played all season on grass. And obviously, you know, we practice at Yeoman Stadium. We practice on our small field between Yeoman and Turchin Stadium. And then, you know, when it rains, we'll, we'll go to the Superdome or we'll go to the Saints facility and they're indoor on airline. Those are all turf surfaces. So, um, the, you know, that, that could be a factor. But, you know, w- once we kind of got settled in there, um, to put numbers on, on what Jimmy was talking about, you know, East Carolina scored a field goal in their first possession, touchdown on their second possession. After that, they had the ball five times. They ran 23 plays, got just three first downs on those five possessions, had 51 total yards of offense four punts, and then, of course, the turnover on downs with 7-17 to play before Tulane got the ball and, and obviously did not give it back and, and ran out the clock inside the inside the five-yard line there. But, you know, for the most part, really sticky coverage um, behind, you know, good um, interior push that, that limited opportunities both in the running game and the passing game. You know, this was a, this was a different quarterback than – than what we've seen give us trouble this last month or so, right? I mean, Chandler Rogers, um, Jacob Zeno gave us fits with their ability to move around a bit, to extend plays, to occasionally scramble and pick up first downs here and there, whereas um, JT Daniels and Seth Hennigan, way more precise, um, very, very accurate throwers, even under pressure, even against a blitz. Um, you know, I, I, it was a little um, disconcerting in the first, again, two possessions where our, our, we'd bring extra rushers and could not seem to get home. But thereafter, I think, you know, when Coach Wood pressed that button, our guys uh, answered and, and um, you know, really made, made life very, very difficult for those guys on the offensive side of the ball. I thought Monroe had a tremendous game. You know, this was a, a – a, group of referees that for the most part was going to allow defensive backs to be physical. I think that played itself out over the course of the game and he took full advantage of that, you know, um, within the confines of the rules, of course, was, was as tough as he could be in not allowing any separation and making sure that ball hits the turf. So, um, you know, it's an offense that we did not expect would be, um, what did not expect would have a ton of success against us just averaging 15 points a game, 2.2 punts per offensive score. And that's right about where they, they finished. I was scoring 10 points on offense, two offensive scores and, and um, four punts. So um, really strong day from the defensive unit. And I think it's because of the way that group played, you know, there's no doubt Kelly, your point that feeds into an offensive play caller's mind into coach Fritz's mind and allows them to, to be more conservative. If this was a, a, a East Carolina offense, perhaps of old with Holton Ayers or, or, um, you know, even a different team. And you feel like if we give them, you know, seven possessions, they're going to score touchdowns on three or four of them. And they're going to kick a field goal on another. I think we, you know, we have to adjust and call the game a lot differently than we did on the offensive side of the ball. But if you have the ultimate belief in the other side of, of the coin and in your other unit that they are not scoring a touchdown on us again the day, um, you know, you can play things a little more closely to the vest and you can reduce 
a lot of the the variance um, that comes with whipping the ball over the place, um, being more aggressive on early downs. You know, now what comes with that is in a one score game in a three point game, it only takes one missed tackle and one blown coverage and one explosive play to totally change the dynamic of it. But um, you know, the the point I'm trying to make is the defense earned the trust of, of, you know, our offensive staff and of coach Fritz tonight with the way they were playing. And I think that's completely deserved. That is absolutely what carried the day, the day. And um, you know, if we can really put together a complete game from both sides of the ball, this is, you know, this is still a team that could be very, very dangerous. Eight and one, five and zero in league play. Let's not lose sight of that. It was ugly again, but you know, a win is a win. And Kelly, as you said just before we went on, I, I think um, Air Force would certainly trade places with us tonight if they could. No doubt. And uh, Jimmy, one last point, and I just want to get your opinion on this. You know, looking at all of the um, scores around the AAC today, I think a lot of people saw these teams coming in from Conference USA uh, and thought, you know, th- these schools are no good. They're they're going to water down the conference. Every game in the AAC today, except for one, was decided within one score. And the one that wasn't decided within one score was Navy and Temple. Um, is it is there some truth to the fact that these teams are a lot better than people are giving them credit for? I think to some extent, yeah. I, I mean, look, some of our holdovers are probably not having that strong year. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, don't, I, don't, uh, I guess the one thing that concerns me a little bit is that I don't perceive the strength of our league to be particularly high this year. And, you know, obviously we're playing some close ones against these teams, but there's a lot of reasons for that. And you can go through those individually. We've done that on this show. But, you know, in the NFL, you know, you are what your record says you are, the famous Parcells quote. And that's in large part because one through 32, there's just not a whole heck of a lot of difference in talent level relative to other levels of football. And, you know, in this era, college football with the transfer portal and so forth, like, that's more true than it's ever been in college. That's not to say that you don't have laughers. You do. I mean, there, there are absolute dominations that still happen in college football. But when you look at a, a college football world where Navy loses to UMass and then comes back the next week and beats Air Force, in a world where we beat the pants off of South Alabama, they beat the pants off of Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma, you know, I mean, it's like it's just the results in college football are so much more random. And so at the end of the day, and that's because talent is able to spread out more than it used to be able to do. And so scheme and philosophy and game plan and all that matters more when it becomes less about Jimmy and Joe's because everybody's got more Jimmy's and Joe's. Um, so, you know. And, and and by the way, the better teams don't have as much depth of Jimmy Joe's too, because that those guys have 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 sort of spread out, right? They've they've, they've filled other rosters, and so when you kind of look at all that in combination, like you are what your record says you are, and and we're eight and one, and you know, all of these games will be tough, whether it's from a Conference USA move up or a, or a AAC holdover, just because. Nobody's absolutely more dominant than the others. I, I mean, I think we're we're probably the best team from a talent perspective out there, but we're not built to 
beat people 50 to 20, you know, I mean, we're just, just not how, how our roster is, 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 is put together. And so, you know, if we're, 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 we're more there to, to physically beat you up and beat you in that way. And if you have inefficient games um, with some wonky things happen here or there, like, like last week against Rice with the near pick six, you know, the games all of a sudden become a lot closer than they probably should you plan them to be, but that's college football in 2023. And so, you at the end of the day, you say we're eight and one. You know, we've won 12, 20 games uh, in the last two years, and you know, let's just keep rolling. Yeah, and Jake, one more thing. I, I know I said that was the last point, but I lied as usual. Um, we are seeing a lot more games, like especially with Tulane, that we've seen the last couple of weeks, where you know the the possessions are so much more limited. I think that even though the games, you know that the stats say the games are only having you know, seven, eight fewer plays. These clock rules are really having an effect on the flow and pace of these games. And I feel like more teams are content to play these lower possession games, keep the games closer and, um, you know, just take their chances. I mean, what have you seen from the way teams are playing these games? I think that, you know, I, I, that number actually shocks me that it's only seven or eight plays a game fewer. Um, I'd be curious to track overall possessions. Uh, I feel like it, at least in our games, they're down. I mean, it, it, it just, you know, coaches, I think in general, um, for the most part, feel like if they can keep their guys, and this, this applies to a number of sports, but if they can keep their guys engaged for the entire period of, you know, of the game, um, if they can keep it close, that their their system, their culture, their their way of doing things, um, you know, their play calling, the guys in 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 their locker room at the end are going to pull it out. And so, you know, I mean, we we saw you know people who listen to this watch Ed Conroy coach basketball games this way. For, for years and it was like an, an intentional um, an intentional effort to limit shots limit possessions keep the score down try to keep it close and, and try to steal it late and you know I don't know that that's necessarily what we're seeing across college football um, I don't know that it's intentional but I, I do think um, that it has, I think Jimmy's right. I think it, I think it is about opportunities. And like I said, I'd be curious to see if possessions are down across the sport. And, you know, look, the NFL has this figured out. I mean, there are people who think the NFL is scripted and it's rigged. And no, I mean, the reality is, as Jimmy said, that the talent disparity is not tremendous and the clock rules are such that, um, you know, a lot of games are going to be tight late. And I think that's what we're seeing with college football adopting more of an NFL style um, uh, uh, running clock, right? And so um, that's that's where I think that comes from. But you know, look, eight and one, yes, five and zero oh in conference, yes, one and zero oh today, no doubt. Um, the the reality is we should be you know um, able to to pull away in some of these games and it, hopefully that's that's what we see down the stretch i mean you know there's no reason clock or no um conservative um play calling 
or no. There's no reason we should not have been more effective in the red zone today, and there's no reason we should have scored 13 points and no more than that, even with the intentional kneel down and, op- and, and you know, folded opportunity to score at the end of the game to push it beyond the 13. So a um, lot, lot to build on heading into the final stretch of three regular season games here. Well, since we won this week, we will have a Jimmy O show this week with players of the week um, and possibly a fear of the wave cast. Um, stay tuned for that. And for our preview of the Tulsa game that will come out on Friday, um, if you want to go to our website at ftwcollective.com, that's ftwcollective.com. Make a donation and check out what we're doing there. Uh, fellas, I appreciate you joining me again. Uh, we'll see you next week. Got it, buddy. Roll wave. Roll wave.